Cardboard Studios presents. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 22, Worker Placement. Coming to you from the home of HeavyCon 2015, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium-heavy strategy board games, war games, 18x. No, really, we will. And other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I am Tony. I'm Edward. I really do want to get into some 18xx, man. And, and some war games. I almost bought 1830, but I know you have it. Yeah. So, yeah, we will get I into these. Play. I promise. We will, guys. Before we get into a what we anticipate to be a really fun and um, thought-provoking episode, let's remind everyone that our wonderful sponsor is Game Surplus. They are great people, and they have a terrific reputation and an awesome inventory of games. A lot of imports, hard-to-find games. Give them a check on www.gamesurplus.com. And ju- usually every Friday I'm out there tweeting about what, what's coming uh, what they're going to be stocking later on that day. So if you follow us on Twitter, you're going to be probably the first ones to hear about any of those hot new imports that they're going to yep. be getting. Especially with convention season kicking off, it's a good time to check it out. Tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you too, though. So to get in touch with us, follow us on Twitter at Heavy Cardboard, Facebook Heavy Cardboard, email us heavycardboard at gmail.com, hit us up on the website heavycardboard.com. Please review us on iTunes. Speaking of which, yes, sir. we have two new reviews on iTunes, and they were both really cool. I'm going to single one out in particular. Wheezy G, first off, thank you for leaving the, uh, the review. I want to say it was last Thursday or Friday. I read a review by uh, somebody named Your Own Worst Enemy. Nice. And the, the review they left was just really... I don't know. It hit home. It was really, it really made me, it made my whole day. Legitimately made my whole day. Thanks to everybody. Like I said, Wheezy G and your own worst enemy. But that last one was, was pretty special to me. So before we get into the meat of the episode. Yes, sir. I just want to say baseball's back. Pretty, pretty stoked about it. My Reds are in first place. It's a weekend, so it doesn't matter. But whatever. But hey, first place is first place. And... I'm sorry that your boys are out there golfing now, but my Canucks are getting ready to start the playoffs against the Flames on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday. Wednesday is uh, is the first playoff game. Well, and I'm pretty excited about it. Two things I guess I'll say about that. Number one is the Avalanche did go out well. They beat three playoff teams. They to, did. To finish they, the they did not lay down, which I was surprised. And um, hockey playoffs are... The best playoffs. Oh, it does, whether you're a hockey fan or not, Stanley Cup playoffs are as good as it gets. And my favorite thing in sports, legitimately, even before I was a hockey fan, at the end of the series, these guys have been beating their brains in. Hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, throwing down, just trying to kill one another. Yet, at the end of the series, they get in the line, shake hands, give each other props, and, and you know, keep it professional and, and, and gentlemanly, I guess, almost. And it's just... It's something you don't see in the pros. You see in college, but you don't see in the pros in any yeah. other sport yeah. but hockey. And I think that's it's, it's classy. I, I dig it. I really, really dig it. Agreed, sir. Um, so we've been challenged by the guys over on Punching Cardboard on their podcast 
to do a little three by three gaming challenge. Yes. Uh, so that's play three games, three different games, three times each by Memorial Day weekend, which also happens to be the weekend of HeavyCon. So maybe we can finish it up then. Exactly. Tony made a list. I made two lists. I made one to play with Tony, one to play with Amanda. So for me, the the ones that I have, uh, the ones to play with Tony were Polis, Fight for the Hegemony. I th- hegemony? Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with Polis. All let's right, go so with we got Polis. Polis. That's awesome. Uh, through the Ages, which yeah. you still I, have not played. I'm, I desperately want to. And I, it's arguably wow. my favorite game, so it needs to get played. Really? All right. Uh, and last, because we really are trying to play war games, yes. Uh, at least three sessions of Blocks in the East. To which I said, uh, bull, and uh, you said, no, there's some short scenarios. Yeah, so. there, there are some, not the full game, that right. would, there's no way. But a shorter scenario here, you know, three times between now and Memorial Day, shame on us if we can't do that. Okay. So the other three that I have with Amanda, Seki Gahara. The yeah. unification of Japan, which Amanda's been interested uh, in playing war games. I know you too, are me too. too. Um, but it's cool to have a wife that digs that. Uh, Dungeon Pets, which is Vlado Shavado's uh, kind of cutesy. But I heard um, it's cool. It's a worker placement game. Is it now? Huh. How about that? Hmm. And then uh, Twilight Struggle. Sure. So each of those, three games each, three. And now obviously, you know, games like Through the Ages and whatever. It'll be probably you, me, and Amanda, or you, me, Paul, Chad, whatever. But, right. you know. But, yeah. And then I know you had... What were your three? Uh, I got one of the plays done this weekend as we'll, that we'll talk about. But um, Key Harvest. Okay. And, um, and, and mainly that that's because I want to I want to play it. And then I, I want to decide if I'm going to retain it or not. <laughs> Which you've been on this serious kick lately. Uh, yeah, but we'll talk yeah. more about that. Uh, 20th Century. Which is a really, really cool it's, little... It's a very like, cool game. Uh, city building. City not building. Really, that's, yeah. It's got a little bidding in it. Yeah, a route building and everything. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed my one play of it so far. And speaking of worker placement games, uh, Carson City. Cool. Another one that I'm anxious to play. Yeah. So, And I just got the Golden Guns expansion, so... So go. so that's our three by three that we've accepted the challenge from the punching cardboard guys. Uh, so game on. Let's see. Uh, let's see if we can get this done. Now that said, we encourage everyone who's listening to this to post in the guild and take mm-hmm. on the challenge yourself. Three yeah. by three, three games, three times by the end of Memorial Day weekend. So yeah, see how it goes. Right Be on. Curious to see. Uh, last but not least, non gaming related was. Uh, I went up the hill, up to Blackhawk, which is the uh, where all the casinos are here in uh, the Denver area. With a small C compared to Vegas, though, right? Yeah. The casino yo, with a small C? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, they're, they're, they're smaller, but they're cute. Well, and betting limits, too, or something. Yeah, I, I'm not a gambler. It, no, it's it, nor am I. I just yeah. gamble with a positive expected value. But anyway, it's a $100 max bet nice. of any game, including poker. And I went up to go play poker sure. Friday. Um, I was a bit rusty, as as to be expected, but had a good time. But my lord, are those one two players bad? Holy cow! They bad ter- as in good bad or terrible bad? Uh, terrible bad. Um, that's good, but man, it makes it hard. It, I wonder how they're able to breathe sometimes on their own, forgetting shoe the, tie their shoelaces oh, and just whoo. But hey, I had fun. It was a good time. So enough about that. Uh, Saturday was tabletop day. It was. Did you do I, anything? Because uh, you and I couldn't get together. No, we, we had a ton of stuff to do around the house and other things, and we watched the Masters. 
Yeah, that's cool. So there's that. No, we didn't play a single game all weekend. That's you know, my, terrible. My parents are visiting, and you know, so that contributed to me not being able to get together. But I saw like a million tweets coming from you yeah. on the different things that all my, y'all were playing. My 15 year old nephew came over, um, and so we introduced him to board games. He's probably going to go to the Conclave of Gamers this weekend. Uh, oh, rock on! And so it's mainly some family gameplay. It doesn't matter, so. but the fact that he's he wasn't really. Into it, and now he's like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Well done, sir. That was cool. Carrying on to the uh, next generation. Indeed. Very cool. Sir, have any new games entered your collection? They have. They're, uh, one game, one expansion. Uh, the game is the Stauffer Dynasty, which I've been seeing a lot of a lot of the blogs um, that I follow on BGG. Right. People have been posting about it. I've seen some discussion on Twitter about it, and I'm interested in it, and... You know, it was a gift, so I'll take it. No right. complaints there. Right. Um, the expansion that I got was the German version of the Ladies of Trois. Right. Found it for like you're the one who told me something like thirty five bucks Up in Canada. Yeah, Canada. Yep. Yeah, the Great White North, eh? And uh, it's language independent, so I figure it was it was worth thirty five bucks, seeing as it goes for anywhere from like fifty five to eighty here mm-hmm. in the states. Um, when you can find it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was happy to get that. But other than that, that's it. How about you? Um, I have acquired Riff Raff. You know, I saw you had played that the other day, and I was like, oh, you must have gotten a copy. Yeah, I, I just went to a, uh, a local uh, FLGS and just, like, kill some time at lunch because I needed to get the H out of the office. And on the used game shelf, Riff Raff for 39 bucks. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll pay that much for it. Cool. Uh, and that's a fun little ship dexterity oh, game. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, my dad, he's like, oh, I'd love to play, but I'm like shaky Jake. So <laughs> but man, he watched us play like numerous rounds of it. And he was like, wow. <laughs> he thought he had a good time la- watching and laughing with us. Cool. Uh, I, I also acquired my own copy of Automobile as the factories and things are, should be coming in this week, I hope. So. I wouldn't know because yes. I wasn't offered to, you know, maybe go in on that order with you. That's fine. Um, Well, there is one bit of good news, maybe for your wife, but um, instead of orange, there will be purple. Do you see the look on my face? Does that get me factories? No. No. Okay. Semper one way. Okay. I got you. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I I also acquired, and this I did offer to you. You did, yes. So Um, you're, okay, you're batting 500. I acquired the German version. uh, Well, it's not here yet. I ordered it from Amazon DE, the German version of... Uh, Marco Polo. Okay. Yeah. the The English version is Voyages of Marco Polo, and I'm like Voyage. Um, but the German version is In the Footsteps of, and so I think that's more appropriate anyway. Same and, game. You're saying just the names. Yeah. Different. Okay. It, yeah. The gotcha. name is different in German and English. Uh, and this way, I paid five dollars less, including shipping, than the Z-Man advertised MSRP, and. You don't have to wait. I don't know August, September. They said second quarter of this year, but we know Z-Man is not. You know, yeah, Z-Man is. Shall we say (laughs) Uh, punctual? So anyway, uh, punctual. Here's here's the dig. Here's the gig. I watched Marcus J play his his playthrough, and uh, awesome inflection in his English. By the way, love Marcus. And I'm like, damn, that just looks like gorgeous, fun classic Euro. It's not heavy or anything like that. In fact, it's <gasps> worker placement. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm buying that. So. And 
to be honest with you, it didn't grab me. I, I saw it, you know, and I was like, yeah, that looks okay. It's So I'm anxious to play your copy. Yeah. Um, but then you're going to be sorry. I, I may be, um, but unlikely. Unlikely. I, I think. That's and good. it has nothing to do with the weight of the game. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, just like you have become want to say, uh, a game on a pile of games. Right. It, that's the feel that right. I kind of got from it. Right. So, Yeah. Um, let's see. I am hunting only one thing. Uh, well, I guess I'm not really not hunting it because it cannot be found, but I am awaiting it. Elysium. Oh, right. Yeah. The well, movie with, uh, with, yes, uh... yes. The DVD, uh, Blu-ray. No. Um, I don't know. Looks fillerish for our weight, but looks kind of fun. Okay. Um, same guys who did Splendor. Oh, oh sign no, me no, no. up. Yeah. Uh, so for me... Uh, I guess anticipation, maybe. Um, there's a math trade that's about to spit out the results. In fact, by the time this airs, it will have already spit out oh, said cool. results. I don't expect anything to trade, um, but I'm hoping for a copy of Cathedral mm-hmm. um, and or Runebound. Now, Runebound, now I, I understand the look you're, you're giving me. It's a Martin Wallace design, first off. Uh, and the My fact, look did not change, because Martin Wallace is a 50-50 guy. I, I, no... No doubt. But my point is, it's spare games that I'm trading away, and Amanda's interested in it, yeah. and it's Martin Wallace, so I'm willing to give it a try. Hells yeah, man. Worst comes to worst, I turn around and trade it or flip it or whatever. Right. But anyway, so other than that, not much. Obviously, Princes of the Renaissance, 18 Arden, da 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 But no, that's it. As far as what I've been playing, yes, though, sir. has been almost nothing in the last two weeks. It's just been... It's just been a weird time, mm-hmm. but this is where that 3x3 three three challenge is really going to help because I refuse to let those punks up in Portland, you know, what, beat us in this challenge. Do we owe them anything if we screw up? No, it's just, okay. you know, they're going to talk trash about us and or uh, we will them, and yes. that's good enough. Plus, he's a Cubs fan, so sorry, guys. So what I've been playing is, and everything that I've been playing has been, I've played with with you. Uh-oh. Uh, ground Floor. Yes. Kashgar. Yes. Which is that deck building kind of three caravan thing that was... Amanda and I both really dug it. And you said that you're like, I may keep it. I might not. The good news, though, is it will stay in the heavy cardboard family. Because one way or the other. If either you're keeping it or it's coming to me. So Why one not? or the other. That's so, very cool. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. And last but not least, Rolling Stock. Yeah. And... This is going to be a discussion for another episode. But clearly. Let, but let's just say that it was it was far different than what we expected. And the only thing I want to say on that is we expected it to be a stock acquiring game. And it very much is not that. Well, yeah. unless you count two shares as... Of ten as acquisition, right? So <laughs> it it was it's definitely unique. I don't think there's anything else out there. We like talked it. about the game for like an hour after when we, we got done playing. So like there's there's stuff to talk about, right? Um, but we'll 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 move on. So how about you? What you've been playing other than those three? So. Uh, well, let's see. In spite of uh, tabletop day with the fam, mm-hmm. at which time I played uh, thrilling heavyweight games such as Ink and Gold, Indigo. Hey, Indigo's beautiful. It man. is That's an awesome a pretty game. game. Yeah. Downfall of Pompeii. Awesome game. Hold on. Did you make everyone scream going into the volcano? Yes, including okay. the fifteen-year-old nephew. Of who course, felt awkward <laughs> doing so. But the good news is he's already awkward. So, well, he's playing board games at fifteen. Probably awkward. Yeah. 
uh, Riff Raff, Bandu, and then we got into some heavier games on Sunday. Before you get into yes. that, speaking of Bandu, saw a couple of our followers on Twitter. Hey, look, I just got convinced again by Heavy Cardboard to buy this. And every that is the one game that I feel everybody should own is so Bandu. We, I totally agree. We played a variant of a variant. So okay. in the rule so book, there are several different variants, okay. right? right? Right. And we played the one where um, you don't bid to refuse. You bid to possess. But when you win the bid, you can uh, keep the piece or give it to someone. Oh, so you're bidding to win it, but not necessarily to win it for you. Right. So if you really want to stick it to somebody who's, you know, two players over, you can right. do that. So you're encouraged to bid. But here's the, here's the twist that we put on it. The person, Close economy? Right. So the person that bit, <laughs> that was offering it yeah. would accept the money if they didn't. So the money stays in the game. Right. Well, right. They, if the bidder mm. bought it, the money would go out of the game. Right, right, right. Uh, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. It was fun, right? Yeah. All right, good. So the, the heavier games, we got, uh, we got Viticulture, which is heavier than those anyway. Uh, Zanguo and Carson City played. Cool. It was a fun did, weekend. Did you play with the expansion on Carson City or no? Yes, we did. And... We, uh, initial thoughts, good or bad? Yeah, it's more character choices. Many of them um, would be terrific in like a full five-player game or a four-player game. So some of the the new characters we didn't really use. Because it, it wouldn't play right with, with the player right, count. Right. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, we used them. They were not selected. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> cool. So without further ado. Take a drink. Heavy Cardboard takes on Worker Placement. Worker Placement Games. What are they? What makes them special? What are some of our favorites? And what are some excellent implementations, or at least in our opinion, regardless of what we think of the game? That's where we're coming from tonight. Obviously, and we'll preface this one time and one time only. This is our opinion of this stuff. There is mm-hmm. no hard, fast rule. Right. So if you don't like it, A, tough, or B, holler at us. Post Let us in know. the guild. Yeah, post yeah. on the guild. Email us, tweet. Let us know what you think, if you think we're right or wrong. So let's, uh, let's begin by defining, again, like you said, in our opinion, what a worker placement game is. And I think any attempts that we make here, like you said, are going to be futile, right? Because everyone's got their opinions. There's going to be disagreements. Designers are going to keep pushing the envelopes. I think a, a worker placement game is where you roll a dice and move... No, wait. The name comes from implementations where the worker is a thematic worker, I believe. Right. It was originally used in the 19... Or it's credited as originally being used in 1998 in Keywood, which is the second game in the Key family, in the family Mm -hmm. of games by Richard Breeze. Followed closely the year after by Bus by the Splatterfellas. And then made famous, though, seven years after the fact... 2005, Ryan Sturm's favorite, Kalis. So right off the bat, in my opinion, I, I think I prefer the term action drafting. It's, to me, a more succinct definition, and in my opinion, it's the highest and best use of the term worker placement, because that worker placement term has become so muddy, I think. When I was doing research for this, I mean, this took hours of research for all this. But when I was going through, and there must have been, I must have had 20 tabs open on my browser. when I Because I was going through reading different people's opinions. And 
that's all they were is just the pain. There is no hard, fast rule saying, okay, this is what a worker placement game is or what the mechanic represents. Mm-hmm. And so anything that we say or anyone else, BGG as a whole, their wiki, anything, it's just opinion. But with that said, we think we've nailed it down right. what we feel good right. about our interpretation of what it is. And so going forward, I guess we should say that when we say worker placement, we're actually we actually mean action drafting. Yeah. That and that's what it conjures up to you and I. Right. So we put our heads together and we came up with the heavy cardboard definition of action drafting. How about it's, that? Yeah, it's a three part definition. So or or I should say that in order for a game to be classified as action drafting, i.e. worker placement. It must have all three of these criteria. Criteria number one. It allows the players to competitively and sequentially draft gameplay actions using a finite number of pawns that represent some thematic resource like time, workers, capability, whatever. And competitively means that all or at least the lion's share of the actions are available for drafting by all the players. Although some games offer the ability to have or acquire exclusive actions. And those actions can be executed immediately or in some form of resolution phase. Right. There's some argument about whether or not those have to be... To us, it... No, that's fine. Either or. Point number two. By drafting an action with my pawn placement, I am either... Denying the subsequent drafting of that action by other players. Or I'm making it more costly for them to also draft that action. Preferably by paying the expense directly to me. Or my pawn occupies the best spot available for the action. Leaving only lesser capabilities available for my opponents. In other words, blocking or at least making it more expensive is a key component to the game being called worker placement or action drafting. Variant number one might be of, of making things more expensive would be, hey, you went there, you owe me a dollar, or like in Kalish, you owe me a victory point. Right. Or or in or at Labora, you make me use one of my workers type thing. For, right. for, for payment. Right. Right. Uh, a variant number two would be like, I, I feel like like a worker's market where it's, where the... Worker pawn is also a form of currency, so the demand for the action, me taking that action, is actually driving up the cost of taking the action by other players. Basically, you just spelled out what is in Keyflower. Sure. Right. And others. Right. Point number three. The number of pawns that I possess each turn is directly related to the game engine I have constructed through play or... That it, and it's less preferred this way, but the game provides a finite number of pawns per player. Often a game will feature an asymmetric count of pawns between players, i.e. something like Dominant Species or Florenza among a million Ground others. Ground floor, right. right. I like that in a game. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are our three points. Basically, competitive and sequentially drafting. There must be deny, uh, a blocking or denying or making it more expensive for subsequent placement. And the number of pawns available are finite and preferably related to gameplay. Right. So now, that's our definition. Yes. Or, so for a game to be a worker placement or action drafting, and I'm not going to keep 
quantifying that. I'll probably say worker placement just because I'm in that habit. Yeah. Antonio will probably be saying action drafting. Just okay. understand we're talking the same thing. Yes. All right. So with that said, there were a couple of things that I came up with that I don't know necessarily the correct answer on. And so I want to present them to you and okay. see what you think. I don't know if I'll have the correct answer. Sure. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll have an opinion. So we're talking about competitively and sequentially drafting of actions. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Must there be a common board or menu from which the players choose their actions? Well, I think there has to be that or some something near to that because of the word competitively. If you have these actions and I have these actions, where's the competition? Okay. That's more like action selection. So I, I think there needs to be some form of a common board, you? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. And there are a few games in particular that I really struggled with on whether or not they really were worker placement games mm-hmm, or not, mm-hmm. which we'll get into sure. here as we go along. But in the end, I do think that there must be some sort of communal yeah. area in which that competition takes place. You know, and you mentioned the exclusive actions, right? So it's not just a communal board, right? Like there's this communal board where we're playing competitively, but if I build this building that only I can place in or whatever, I mean, and that's a small percentage of the game, that'd be fine. You know, yeah. Ground floor, I can build rooms that only I can go Or your into. floors that you're actually building. In right. Ground. right, exactly. Totally agree. So one other question that came to mind when we were going through, you know, making this definition, must all the pawns be of the same value? I.e., if mm. your pawns, and notice we're not using the word workers. Yeah. It, pawns, generic, whatever right. that thing is. So, like dice, must those all be the same value? Me? My yeah. Um, no, I don't think they have to. And like, like in some of the, the dice games, like you mentioned, they're not going to be of the same value. And right. I think that makes some interesting some, things. Something like Bora Bora. Or right. you brought up uh, Viticulture. Viticulture's expansion has the special workers. Those are in the game, and they are treated as a regular worker. And I'm using the term worker because that's what they're called in that game. Right. But they also have a special ability. They have some special use. Rule breaker. Type thing, yeah. right? But also the the Grande Worker. I've only played Viticulture oh, once, yeah. so, the, so it's a the, favorite of the wife. So right. we played a lot last night. We polished off a bottle of wine and played Viticulture. Good Malbec from Argentina. Does everybody have their own Grande? Everybody worker? has one Grande Worker, and those are different than the regular workers, yeah. right? So they are different because he's the anti-blocker. Right? Okay, he, he can go where you've been locked out. Okay, yeah. all right. So so in the end. We're saying that pawns don't have to be of the same value. No, I don't think so. You agree? Yeah, Yeah. I I, I do. I do. Let me ask you this, my friend. (laughs) What is the thrill of a worker placement or action drafting game for us? Well, I think first and foremost, it allows different paths to be taken to succeed in the game. You know, multiple paths to victory is, I mean, I'm not saying that is strictly a worker placement aspect, but it is something that... I think every worker placement game has. You don't have to all do least, the same thing. At least a well-designed one. Right, right. Which, that's all we care about, right? Um, with those many paths, perhaps, is is this, as you're fond of saying, plethora. Hefe. Take a drink. Of many choices with limited resources with which to draft those many choices. In Agricola, right? Crap, I need wood. Oh, and I need reed. And I need all these things. But I only have... Three workers. Right. It's needing to do a million things and having, you know, 
a million minus four. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's another... It's that... And that kind of rolls into kind of that tension or that stress that a mm. game like Agricola provides that you and I feed off of, that we we crave, we need, we want, we desire in a worker placement game. Yeah. Or, honestly, that kind of tension we want in all games, but... Uh, that's why we I, that's why we like that blocking and stuff because it it aids it, that it embeds that exactly and not only that but it forces you to prioritize both what you want and or need and what your opponents need and so that prioritization and attention thereof right and it, and so I have to not only pay attention to what I'm doing but I have to pay attention to what my opponents are doing because I have to anticipate where they're going to go. And if I have to, for instance, in Agricola, if there's that big pile of wood and I look around and nobody out there really needs wood, I don't necessarily need to go for that right now. I can go and maybe wait on that. So I'm paying attention and interacting with my opponents and it kind of... What I'm hearing from what you're saying is like it forces you into a different type of planning than in many of the other heavier games we like, like Automobile. It's a different way to plan your your future turns than in a worker placement because you have all this tension, you have all the anticipating other guy's needs, limited numbers of resources, all these actions. So your planning brain is different. Yeah, I, I, I think that that says it well. No, I, I could see that. So I think the best thing that all the summation of all those little points there, the best thing in my mind, and I think yours as well, is making lemonade. Yep, the game gives you lemons, and by the game I mean your opponents, right? You know, because the first time you know Tony goes to that spot that I desperately, desperately need, I'm like, "You son of a!" Yeah, and there's that interaction, and I, and, and I grin, right? And so now I'm like, "Well." Crap. Okay, what am I going to do now? Okay, so that prioritization I thought I had planned out, that didn't work out so well. Okay, so now I have to punt and I need to figure out a new way to go about getting from A to Q. Better make some lemonade. Exactly. And yeah, we absolutely love that having to change on the... That, that, I guess, like I said, that interaction, the way you're playing the game is going to directly impact the way I'm able to play my game. And especially if, you know, we're when we're after the same things, you know, that's going to be a really brutal interaction too. Totally agree. So we've talked about our definition. We've defined what we call worker placement action drafting. Yes, sir. We've talked about what we really dig, why we are excited about worker placement games, why we enjoy playing them. So why don't we actually talk about the damn games themselves? Let's do that. So we have a bunch of games here that uh, we individually and, and kind of collectively came mm-hmm. up with mm-hmm. um, that we feel fit, mostly fit. Right. Uh, and there are some that we'll dispute and we'll talk about. Um, but there's games that we, we like on this list. There's games that we love on this list. There are games that we're... <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we've said before we're self-avowed mechanics whores and so even if we're feeling like you said about a game we can still appreciate a a a very smart mechanic in that yeah a well-implemented hey that's cool okay i don't really like master of economy we weren't super big on the game itself but it had some really cool the way the market worked 
we dig the way the market works. And right. so we can appreciate that even though we're not too keen on the game itself. Right. That's a great example. Right. And we just have a list list of games here. We're not really going to review the games, but we have some points about the games but to the to the things we just said. And I, we're just going to let the muse carry us and let the conversation go where it goes. There are going to be a million games out there that, hey, how come you didn't mention? Yeah. There's too many out there. Yeah. There are some that neither one of us have played, frankly. Um, there are some that we don't want to talk about. There are some that we overlooked. It's going to happen, but these right. are just some that we think highlight some cool stuff. But we do hope that this is definitely meat for our conversation between you and I and between the listeners and ourselves. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get rocking with... Yeah, without further ado... Take a drink. Kalis. And may I add, Kalis Magna Carta? You can add it, because I haven't played yeah, it. Yeah, it's been a long time since I played Kalis Magna Carta, but it's the card game version of Kalis. Okay, so Kalis, um, go ahead. You've played it more than I have. Well, um, you definitely are sequentially and competitively drafting your actions with the other players by putting your pawn, of which you have a fixed number... Onto the various buildings that that have been constructed. They may be owned by other players, perhaps. And it costs money to place workers. And that price goes up after people start passing. And you can earn a victory point when people put their pawn in your building and things like that. So it definitely has the blockage slash cost increasing thing going on. I did mention there's a fixed number of pawns so that it's not related to your game engine. Um, but for me, like, one of the thrills of this game is just, you know, it's it's one of the oldest and best known and best regarded Right, this is, this is the granddaddy of, of worker placement games. Tad bit dry, but that doesn't bother you and me. Not at all. No. But you're saying it's dry. Wait. Uh, sand the, came on. out of my box one day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was going to go with, what, the, uh, the, the, the scorn... Uh, looking man on the cover oh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't invoke oh. excitement and tangent and, here. Okay, there was a geek list of game boxes made better with <laughs> Mr. Bean. The Kalis one was genius. If you guys haven't seen this, yeah, total tangent here. But genius game boxes made better with Mr. Bean. Take ten minute. If wait for you when you're having a bad day. Oh yeah, go find that and it'll make your whole day better. Check out the love letter box too. But yeah, Kalis is Kalis is the the grandfather. Yeah, you know it's um, great when you build the right things and other people come a shopping at your place. There's very little uh, luck involved, and so this is where an experienced player is probably going to destroy a newer player yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, but we don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. No. So, Kalis Magna Carta. Now, you said it's basically the same thing, just the card version. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. You each have you have a handful of building cards rather than from this general pool of buildings. So. Okay. I mean, that's the primary difference. It really pretty much the same game. Okay. All right. So next, the other one that when people think of worker placement, what do they think of? At least, in my opinion, what do they think of? Misery Farm, right? Misery Farm. Uh, Agricola. So, I mean, we've covered this in a previous episode, so we don't need to go really too far into this. But competitively and sequentially draft, um, yeah, you're placing one worker at a time going around, and you have to prioritize, right? Indeed. Um, There's obviously, there's going to be blockage because it's... 100%. (laughs) You either, if someone's there, you're not going there. Sorry. Um, 
and pong count relationship related to the game engine? Absolutely. Getting kids equals more workers, and there's going to be huge competition for those spots. Yeah. And the order in which, I mean, you get them, you have to decide, you know, turn order-wise, am I going to try and get ahead of, you know, another player so that I can get there? So do I have enough, you know, everything that I need? Just, yeah. It's, yeah, and, and you know, the upkeep is a nice touch, right, when you acquire more pawns. You've also acquired more responsibility. Yeah, more more mouths to feed, <laughs> right. right? That's a nice touch. Yeah. So if you want to hear more, go check out our episode or review on it in episode I Have No Idea. Let's uh, let's throw something out there that's a little off the beaten path, maybe. Um, we talked about it briefly in the previous episode. Lancaster. You're, you're placing pawns and you're sequentially drafting and competitively drafting the action spaces. But, uh, and blocking them, but you can get booted out. It's like worker displacement, where you, right. you can get kicked out, which is essentially making it more expensive for the next guy to take it. Right, because if you have a three-night in a location, it requires me to place a four-night or four-night plus. Right, or, yeah. Yeah, with, with, with your squires and everything. Two nights there. and three squires. Right. <laughs> so... It, Exactly. You've made it more expensive for your opponents to be able to go onto that place. And there might even be some bluffing involved. Yeah. Uh, Misdirection. Because, right. So you see somebody else might want that spot. You go there, you make them waste a higher, you know, uh, a, a higher night. Uh, yeah. A higher, a, higher, a, a stronger pawn. There you go. So, yeah. Because yeah. oh, this is a game where the pawns are not of equal strength. Because you can acquire a four strength, a three strength, a couple of twos, and four one strength knights. So like what you were saying earlier about do the pawns have to be of equal value. This is a game where they're not of equal value, and it's critical to the play. Right, and it totally makes sense, both thematically as well as for the gameplay. And you are in control of the number of pawns and the strength of those pawns as the game goes on. Because you can, your pawns are representing your army, their knights, and... You can add to your army, and you can, I guess, in effect, train your knights to be stronger. So you can turn a two into a three, etc. So let me ask you, though, uh, on that same note, worker placement, there is action drafting. But would you call this worker placement, or like, is it a, like a uh, an offshoot in the worker displacement aspect? I think it's action drafting. <laughs> because even though I can be displaced... That's that's kind of a mix, I think, between the blocking and the more expensive. I went there with my two. You just booted me out of there with my three. So effectively, you blocked me right. with your three. Sorry. Right, you're right, right. But effectively, you just blocked me, but I made it more expensive for you to go there. So it's it's weirdly cool, I think. Yeah, no, and, and that's a perfect example of an offshoot of a worker placement that isn't that that a designer came up with that it's worker placement, but it's a variation of it. So next, I have arguably one of my favorite games. Mm, I bet I know what it is. Then Dominant Species. So it's worker placement meets area control. Yeah, you're competitively and sequentially drafting. So you have your action pawns or your APs. You have everyone starts with the same amount. However, through the domination cards that come out, some players may gain, some players may lose some of those action pawns. So you're going to have different number of action pawns. It's not really through the engine you built because you're not building an engine. 
but it is going to be based on the card play and yeah. the, the order in which the cards come out. But there's definitely blockage. Well, not really so much blockage, but there is cost increase in a sense that there's a fixed number of locate of action spots in which to go. They from one to one right. to six. Right. And if there's only two spots and the first two people go there, guess what? You're no one else is going there. Right. Or if I go there, it goes around the table and I take the second spot and I locked it up. I get both of them. And the reason it's going to be a cost increase in a sense is there's going to be less choice for the right. player who's second, third, fourth in line from which to choose from. So that's kind of that cost increase. We said in our description, or in our definition, was you're leaving a only a lesser capable spot for your opponent, i.e. The, the, you have fewer choices. I get the first pick now, you get what's left. Right, exactly, whatever you don't pick. Um, as far as what's, like, why do I dig it? I mean, it's worker placement meets area control. It's chaotic. Yeah, it is. But being able to manipulate that chaos and direct confrontation is a blast. It's, it's, if you haven't played it, go play it. This is, this is, yeah, it just. You, you said, you said worker placement meets area control. Is that like a 50-50 mix in your mind? Or what, what do you think it is? Is, is the worker placement, the action drafting, the main no, I'd say truly it's 50-50 because the 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 action the action drafting of the worker placement part you're in phase 1 you're right. going to be placing out your APs on the board or right. on, on the eyeball spots. Right. I, I love that they're called APs. And they right, <laughs> you know, appropriate. And then uh, in the second phase you're going to resolve those top to bottom left to right. And then there's going to be the area majority and area control game that those workers or those APs that you had planned out your turn with, as everyone puts it out there, it's going to change the dynamic of the board. Right. So there, you can't have one without the other. And I would say it's it's purely 50-50 in this respect. Yeah, it's awesome. Dominant Species is fantastic. Yeah. So what you have for us next? How about uh, Fields of Arla? It's a two-player worker placement. Slash action drafting game by Rosenberg. Oh, or, or solo. Or solo. Right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Wow. How do you competitively draft against yourself? Hmm. Mm. I haven't played it solo, but I, that's I an have. interesting. That's, that's it. So, so let's talk about it and come back to this. I, I, that's actually a really damn interesting <laughs> yeah. question. So, Fields of Arla. Uh, Fields of Arla is a definitely competitively and sequentially drafting. It's it's me and you, red and yellow, at the table. Which is appropriate, which obviously. Which is definitely appropriate. Right. But hey, if I go there, you're not going there. So there is blocking in this game. There are some... Workarounds. Work around that a little bit, you know? So it's not it's not as tight as, say, Agricola. You know, but it's more... Well, neither is Caverna, but it's still it's still the same idea. Absolutely. absolutely. Because where where you're going, I can't, and vice versa. So there's blocking, absolutely. You do have a fixed number of pawns. This is it. You get that number, that's what you got. The whole game, every turn, you don't lose them. They're not blocked or, you know, occupied or anything like that. So what's the thrill of this game? I, you know, I think it's, you know, the typical Uva Rosenberg goodness. And I, I really dig that it's two-player focus, too. Lots of paths through the game, like you've mentioned um, in, in an earlier segment of our show here, which, you know, again, lessens some of the blocking in itself. Yeah, because there's workarounds like maybe I'm not really worrying about going right. that, like I'm not worried that you block that spot. You I make all the linen you want, right. I'm making fur. Right, exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, and I and I really dig that winter and summer have a different set of actions in the main anyway. You know, there's there's a small bit of overlap and the the end of round resolution, the way those change as well between yeah, yeah. Uh, winter and uh, summer, yeah, I think yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. So going back to this, and and this is part of that free form that we were talking right, about. Right. Um, I've never played it solo, but you have. I played it solo so, a couple, three months ago. Okay, so is it an action drafting game still, or a worker placement game still, as a solo game? <laughs> Might be worker placement, but I don't think it's action drafting, because I'm not competing with anyone. I can take whatever actions I want. The object of the game is to score higher points every time you play. Do you get penalized for taking more actions? Are, are there a set number of turns? No, it's just, it's really kind of like... It's a way to learn how to play the game, really. Like, oh, how many points did you score? Oh, so you're just trying to be more efficient. Yeah. Okay. So, interesting. But, it, but you're not competing against... You're competing against your former plays, perhaps. But the actual actions, you're yeah. not blocked. No. So, that's interesting. As a two-player game, it's a worker placement slash action drafting. Competitive, selective, right. sequential, I mean. But as a solo game, it's not. No. Curious. Huh, I dig that. Once I let my left hand place half of the pawns. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? What's next on your list, dude? Maybe one of the most unique, mechanically, literally, uh, games on our list, and that'd be Sulkin. Oh, the Mayan yeah. Calendar. I mean, obviously, it has the wheel, the gears, right? Right. Um, pawns get off on different places where they get on it, based on the time, every time you advance that gear. The crux of the game and where the game becomes the game is you must place pawns or you must remove pawns from any number of the gears. So, competitively and sequentially drafting, yeah, because you're going in turn order. Now, the, the one difference on this is I can place multiple pawns right. on my turn, right? but that's it. I mean, I, I, I either place them. You know, multiple one or more, right? Or remove one or more, and, and that is cool. That that adds uh, a, a different twist on that competitive. Like, how many do you have available? You only have two, so at worst, you can only screw me twice, right? As opposed, if you're next in turn, right? Because that blockage comes in. There is sort of blockage, and I say sort of because you're just making it more expensive right. for the next person because they can always pay. To go on to the next spot on the wheel right. or on the uh, on a certain gear, but they have to pay higher than they would have via corn. Right. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's textbook number two. The interesting thing of that was that, really, that, that puts them then in front of you, so they're quicker to the more juicier actions when they jump off the wheel, too. So, so pawns, I, like, uh, you start the game with uh, four... You can draft a particular action. You can get off, You can draft an action to place a pawn on a wheel that when you turn at a certain degree, you, you can get off where you can get more workers. Like having babies in Agricola. You can choose to have more workers. Yeah, an action that gives you more actions in the yeah. future. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's a throw? It's, I mean, the gears are... I was worried when, when the game was being talked about before it actually came out. Whether I mean, and I'm not alone in this. A lot of people were thinking, "Is it a gimmick? Is it mm. just you know, yeah. oh, that's cool, whatever?" Come to find out, no, it's actually a legit mechanic. That it's solid. That time mechanic really, really works really well, and it's just 
there's that agony of decisions and that that tension mm-hmm. of having to place having to or place or remove and not being able to be like you know what I'll pass and just let them ride you can't do that I love the occasion when it makes sense to turn the wheel twice yep <laughs> that's awesome so that's Zulkin the Mayan calendar what you got next I guess I'm going to be on a Rosenberg bent here for a second but okay Aura at Labora. Yeah, so this is this is going to start a little run of games that I really had a had a hard time figuring out whether or not they fit. Okay. Um, so there's going to be a run of three games that we're fixing to talk about. The awesome. first of which awesome. is Orit Labora. All so right. go ahead. Well, I mean, it's certainly a game that contains an action drafting mechanic, right? Every player has three clergymen, one of which is a prior who has a little special whatever. He's a felon. He He's a felon. Prior. He's got priors. Prior. He has priors. <laughs> and there's, but there's actions you can take in the game without ever touching the action drafting. I can fell trees in my land. I can cut peat. Um, I can build a building if I have the resources to do so. But I do think it's an action drafting game because I cannot ever do anything of any value to win the game and score points without using my pawns, without using my clergymen, or without using yours occasionally, too. But on that same note, and this is the game specifically that I had in mind when I asked you back when we were making the de- when we were uh, talking about the definition mm-hmm. about does there need to be a common board or a common area in which there's a competition for, for worker spots? Right. And this is the example in which there is no common board. Oh, but I think there is. Okay, uh, I'm all ears. Because I built these buildings on my land, you built those buildings on your land. Let's say it's a two-player game. That's the board. I can pay you to use your workers on your buildings. All right, so you're saying I'm not that... excluded from anything you built. Unless I've already taken that action, yeah. which then it's you've been blocked. <laughs> right. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And like I said, I when I was going through this, doing all, all you know, prepping for the show and everything, this was one of the real big hang-ups I had, was this game and one of three games um, that yeah. we're going to talk about. But when you put it like that, that the common board is everybody's individual board because you can pay me either wine or gold. Or whiskey, depending on what right, side you're sure. playing. You, know. you can pay me... So, you know, we go and drink, and one of my workers goes onto my board, and you get to do the action. To be technically accurate, I can pay you money to do that, or together we can drink wine, I can throw it out of the game. You don't get it. We we, we quote-unquote share it, which is awesome. Yeah, we go... Basically, I'm not. You're not earning anything, but you are costing me a victory point for having done such a great job of building a building. That yeah, I and that's probably better put than yeah. I did. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I. But do it's cool think... that there's that choice. Do I pay you or do I lose a victory point? Oh, uh, right. So I mean, you're going to be losing it one way or the other. Yeah. Though. Talking about it like this and 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 having point counterpoint has has helped me understand that. Yeah, this definitely fits. I think. Cool. Yeah. Aura at Labora. So the next one. That I really struggled with a bit is a game that we both really enjoy. That we both say every time it gets to the table, we need to play it more. And that's Keyflower. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if it fits. The reason I say that is 
your workers, your meeples, okay, and, and whatever you want to call them, there are different colors. And you're going to use these different colors to set the price on different tiles in which you're going to be bidding on. So they're actually currency. Those meeples are not only workers, but they're also currency. And so if it's currency, then that means it's actually a bidding game or an auction game. But at the same time, you have whenever you go and take an action, and I can go and use your tiles, I can use his tiles, I can use, you know, Paul Chad's, Amanda's, my own. You can use the tiles that have not yet been claimed by anyone. Right. And I can do that by placing one worker if I'm the first one there. Yes, sir. Okay. So are we competitively and sequentially drafting? Yes. We're taking actions one at a time going around. Okay. Is there blockage or cost increase? Okay. So if I'm the first one to go onto a tile, whether it's one that's still being bid on or one within our own villages, but anyone's free to use it, it costs one worker. Anyone else who wants to go onto it, it costs two workers, so on and so forth. Yeah, the that duality of the pawn is maybe confusing um, to the analysis, but I think you're you're nailing it. It's you're I think you're you're answering our question. Right. I think it is an action drafting game because I'm placing that pawn on that tile and drafting that action. Now I'm costing you two pawns, and. Here's an interesting twist in Keyflower. If I place the red one, now you got to place red. I don't know. I, I Maybe this is, in a sense, bear with me, that meshing of mechanics. So like in Dominant Species, you have that area control slash worker placement coming together. Here, you have an auction or, or bidding mechanic along with that worker placement mechanic and kind of seamlessly integrated. So by that rationale... I think a legitimate case could be made that it's A, a worker placement action drafting game, and it's primarily a auction or bidding game as well. I think it's, you could call it either both, yeah, either either and or both. Let me ask you two questions before you decide. Okay. Question number one. How do you get workers in Keyflower? You bid on a boat? Sure. And you get the workers that are on the boat, the little meeple guys, right. the pawns. Right. Or by constructing buildings in my village, and you and I entice you to put your workers there. And then you get to I keep get those <laughs> at the end of the round. Right. Right. Okay. Is that is that a game engine or, or and stuff like that? I, I, I feel like it is. I, I, I would say, uh, hmm. I, I, I guess if you're enticing your opponents. Right. Like in Aura. Hey, you've enticed me to give you a, a coin. Right. To be able to come and use my building or in this case my tile, whatever. Right. I could it might be a bit of a stretch, but I think again, it's such a non specific and even as specific as we were, I still feel like there is some gray. Yeah. Know? It's all, I think it's okay to say a game is two things. Yeah. It's action drafting and, and bidding. But let me let me ask you this. There's a similar game with a mechanic where you bid with pawns like that. Spurium. I don't think it's an action drafting game at all because there's no action drafting. Right, but it's the same mechanic as one of the mechanics in Keyflower. But it's missing the other half. Ah, yes. All right. I agree with you, sir. All right. So 
in the end, I, I are, are we in agreement? The Keyflower, yes, is a action drafting worker placement game. Keyflower, yes, is an action drafting game uh-huh. with bidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me roll into the other one that I really struggled with. And dude, we're gonna have a knockdown drag out here, buddy. And I'm not necessarily on the side one way or the other. I just want to discuss it and let's see where we end up. And that's Village. Mm-hmm. Marcus and Inca Brands classic. Right. And I'm, I'm unsure if it fits. So, your family members in the game aren't the workers. Okay, let me... Or, or the pawns, as it were. The resources that are randomly placed in each of the locations on the board each turn is the action drafting. Each spot is going to get X amount of actions each round. You're going to randomly draw those out of the bag and put them onto those spots. For instance, the marketplace only has one cube, or one which represents a resource. But you're not placing workers, nor is it getting more expensive. There's just simply X amount of actions to take. And so, as an example, if somebody chooses on their turn to take the cube or the resource... That is the market action. They're drafting that action to be able to use. And now, if there are no cubes left, that location is blocked. So, competitively and sequentially draft. Yes, I would say. Sure, because you I'll are, give you that. You are taking Because I'm actions, giving you nothing else. <laughs> you are taking actions off the board, which you're taking those... Those actions are also resources that you're taking. Are we in agreement there? Yeah, but taking a resource and, you know, sure. Okay. Now, blocking or cost increasing. To this, it it gets a little bit more, (laughs) you know, I'm not sure. Because blocking, if you're, you're leaving less opportunity for your opponents to be able to take that action. So if it... If a location has four resources, four resource cubes, and I take one, now there's only three left that people can play or mm-hmm. can can take because you cannot take that action anymore. Right. Unless you spend three, three resources cubes, of the same color gold, to right. right to be able to to take that action. Right. So are you really blocking me? I mean, yeah, I can mitigate that blocking with like you just said, three cubes. But there's also mitigation in, say, a game like Caverna, because there's other avenues in which mm-hmm. you can go mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't have to have anything to go around those. Maybe you have to a, have maybe a worker. That's a strong point. Well, you have to have a worker sure, in sure, that case. Sure. So blockage, I would, I would say there, you're at least reducing the amount of workers right. that could go there, or a, that reducing the amount of actions that can be taken in that location that turn. So, would you say that qualifies? I don't know. I mean. You're not really, there's no like lesser actions too, you know, like. But another game that we're going to talk about, like Madeira, fits the same, is the exact same thing. Because I'm placing a die. You see what I'm saying? Well, 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 yeah, but uh, um, I don't know. Again, muddy, worker placement. If you ask me, it's, it's not. Because it's not a pawn that I have in my possession that I've generated from the game or the game has given me, to go use by physically placing it on the board. But it's the exact opposite. You, the game That's is right. generated. It's the opposite. Hold on. Right. It's not so, it. Uh, it is the opposite of it. But see, I... It is black. It is white. <laughs> the game is generating these resources, and those resources are also those actions. I think, 
a case can be legitimately made that, yes, it's a different form of action drafting slash worker placement, but I do think so. You just have to, and by you, I mean the, you know, the, the, the you out there. Right, right, right. You just have to think, we're not talking about your family members, the workers. Yes, we're not talking them. about that. We're talking about we're the We're talking cubes. the resource cubes. The cubes. And those are the worker placement a- aspect, the action drafting aspect. I think it fits. I think you're still taking back medication. <laughs> so you think I'm, you, hold on. You yeah, say I'm, you're agreeing, but... Once we get to the end, you're saying no. No, I just don't think it's an action drafting game. And I'm going to predicate that on, I, I totally understand your points, and, and it's really close and muddy, but I don't have any pawns that I'm placing to draft those actions. Okay, so, so, you, so just to make sure it's clear in my head, I have to have some sort of token wow. or of something, a card, a, a meeple, a cube, a fill-in-the-blank, in which I have to go out and place on the board to lock up or make more expensive or whatever a location, a, a, and that location provides me an action. That's see, what my head says. And see, I think this is those designers kind of pushing the envelope and pushing it and kind of skewing it a little bit, crumpling to it. where it's 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 the same idea just in a different order. Sure. And so I think it applies. But it, this is probably the closest one. Are, are any of our listeners attorneys? Because we, <laughs> we, really, we could really use your assistance No, this no, game. And, and I'm curious. I think this might be the, the, the game um, that is the biggest point of contention uh, with the listeners. I'm, I'm curious to take. Boy, I'm really tempted just to ask you about Madeira now. Because obviously, uh, Golden Elephant winner, we, we love that game. So, right. all right, let's do it. Madeira, tell me what, what is... What is this Village Madeira link that you see? All right. So in the game, um, dice are also the pawns, right? So right. You, got, you got three die, three, right. three pawns. However, in this case, the, fa- the face value of the die restricts the placement of the active die, not subsequent dice. And what I mean by that is there are three areas on the board. Right. One, two, and three. And the dice are number one, two, and three. My so number we, two dice. You can place it in one and two, or you can pay a resource, which is bread, bread. to be able to go into the three area. So, you are taking that worker, which mm-hmm. is represented by a die, that which pawn. the game provided you. Right. And you're placing it onto a building, and that building is providing you with an action. So, are we competitively and sequentially drafting? Yes. Uh, is there blockage? Now, the same uh, kind of same idea here in Village, whereas instead of taking resources and reducing the amount of spots, I'm taking a die and placing it and reducing the amount of spots that can go there. Because in a four-player game, you're allowed to have four dice per building mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a location. Right. So once the fourth one's there, it's blocked. Whereas in Village, once the last resource uh, is taken... Uh, but I am placing something in Madeira. As opposed to taking. I, again, I think it's... It's better to give than to receive. Uh, I, I, I think it's six and one half dozen of the other in that respect. I feel like the mechanic itself is very similar. It's just... Done in a different way. But anyway, getting back to Madeira. Is there blockage? Like I said, there's no cost increase. The pips on my die that I place mm-hmm. has no effect on subsequent dice that get placed. Right, right, right. But there is blockage in a sense that if I'm the fourth one there, you can no, no one, including me in subsequent turns around the table, right, right. can go there. Um, 
is there a pawn count relationship uh, related to the game engine? No. Everyone's no. going to get three. There are the pirate dice, however. Right. But so you're going to be able to get more actions if you have workers in the city watch right. in which you can then discard those to be able to use those pirate dice. dice. So I guess in a sense, yes, I would say the engine, if I'm putting up workers into the city watch that's giving me the the availability right. to be able to take I more action. So yeah, I would say yes on and, that. And those black dice could actually cause a bit of a cost to other players that have a presence in that building because they're going to provide more pirates. Potentially. You know what's also cool though about the die, the dice is and again back to the point you made earlier about like the varied uh, values. What's really cool is all the dice get rolled and put on the board, and then in player order, you select which batch of dice you want. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it was our game of the year for 2013. It was the Golden Elephant. Legally, I'm all happy talking about Madeira. (laughs) Uh, So if if you guys want to hear more, obviously go listen to episode one. I know that because it was episode one. That's right, man. So, and that's Madeira. So what you got next? Well, um, let's stick with the theme of like the spaces available. And let's talk about one of my wife's favorites, Viticulture. Okay. Okay. And and I totally enjoy this game too. Asterisk here with the Tuscany expansion. Okay. <laughs> Tangent. Last night, Matt won the game. I finished second on a tiebreaker over my wife. She actually did not win a game of Viticulture. That's unheard of. I know. <laughs> uh, it had to be the wine. So yeah, Viticulture. It has a... Number of spaces available for each action that can be drafted based on player count. And when you place your pawn, you are taking up one of those spaces and potentially um, a small bonus given by one of the spaces in each action. So if I go here, I get a coin, or I go here, I get a card, or whatever. Sorry, you don't. You should have got there before me. Sure, right, right. Diminished rewards. Diminished, oh, yes. that's, That's the perfect phrase, man. That's the perfect phrase. Um, and you, so you are competitively and sequentially drafting actions with your pawns. By the way, those pawns are directly related, I guess, in a way, to your game engine because you can draft an action that allows you to pay for the training of an additional worker. Mm-hmm. And there is that grande worker, too, that you have, which is the get-out-of-jail-free worker. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, you're not blocking. You're blocking the rest of my workers. You're not blocking him. Right, right. right. So it's a bit of a workaround. Uh huh. You know, um, for us, the game gets a lot of play at our house because it's very pleasant. It's it's a fun way to pass some time. It's it's now I think a a good game for what it is with the expansion. I always appreciate a thematic reason to imbibe some wine. Well, yeah. Pity culture. So, all right, so let's go a little bit lighter from there. Let's talk, you know, entry-level games. Or, okay, yeah, or, yeah, um, good idea, man. Gateway games. And we each have one. And it's funny that you thought of one, and I have never played it. And I thought of one, and I don't even know if you've played I, it. I have never played it. All right, so the one I have is Lords of Waterdeep. In my opinion, is the quintessential gateway game, period. Not just for worker placement, but gateway game. The end. Okay. Um, but it also is the perfect gateway game, in my opinion, to worker placement action select or action drafting. It's simple and pure worker placement. Um, all you're doing is you have your, your workers, 
your agents and you're going out and you place them on the board and most of the locations have room for one worker. Hmm. You place them there, that's it. You get that resource. You're getting clerics or wizards, i.e. orange or white cubes or whatever color cubes. So is there blockage? Absolutely. Because, again, most of the locations only have one spot. Even gotcha. the ones that have multiple spots, once those spots are full, that's it. You know, No one else is going there. There are a couple of uh, workaround buildings that may get built, but they might not in the in the game. There's not really too much of a, a, like a pawn count relationship, like a way to gain extra pawns or lose oh. them in the game. You just start How, with a fixed number. Yeah, you and then halfway halfway through the game, everybody gets an extra one. Oh, okay. Although there are a couple of there's, I think the ambassador and I, I forget what the other ones, but there are two. Um, Neutral workers in the game or neutral agents that if you certain buildings are, are built or maybe if you get a certain uh, uh, quest completed, you might get that extra worker. Okay. But that's few and far between. Gotcha. Um, as far as what's the thrill, I got to be honest, it's it really is the perfect gateway game, in my opinion. If you're looking to teach someone how to play an action drafting game, hard to argue with this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a big fan of Lords of Waterdeep for for a gateway. Well, if we're going to stick on the gateway subject, my gateway worker placement action drafting game is uh, Stone Age, which I've never played. It um, and I, I I put it on here because I think it's a very good implementation of this mechanic and variations on this mechanic to teach new gamers what this genre of game is all about and. There is competitive and sequential drafting of actions, and there's there's a couple of different kinds of actions. So there's some blockage, right? The hunt area can take um, uh, as many workers as you want to throw out there to get food, uh, but the main board actions are blocking. There can only be one or two workers being placed in some of those actions, and the resource areas that are critical to the game can only support a number a total of seven workers. So if I go there with four. Only three more workers by other players are going to get in there. And the number of workers you put in there equates to the number of dice you're going to roll. And each um, resource is harder to acquire than the next one. So, for example, every three pips you roll on dice would get you one wood, but it takes six pips to get one gold. So it's teaching people the prioritization of the placement of their workers versus the the potential payoff for that placement. Very cool. Very you know? cool. All right. Um, so so that's what I think is, is is cool about what makes that a gateway goodness game. And um, you can draft an action that gets you more cavemen and stuff like that, but that gives you more reason to get more food, right? So it's it's teaching you some things like in heavier games too. The love hut. The love hut. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't come a knocking when the love huts are rocking. Right. <laughs> so Stone Age, I think, is a good good gateway. Cool placement. All right, so let's go ahead and blow one myth out of the water with the next game. All right. Um, and that myth is you must have more than one worker in which to qualify for a worker placement game. Love you, man. The game that I'm talking about is Beetle Lacerda's uh, newest game, uh, at, at least released right now, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and that's Kanban. So in Kanban, you only have one worker, and then there's Sandra. Um, but, and then there's Sandra. But let's break it down. Competitively and sequentially drafting actions. Yup, because wherever you are, you must go to a different department. And so you're drafting actions, but some of those actions are going to be blocked. 
So which rolls into the blockage. Sandra blocks too. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot go into the same spot in which anyone else is, including Sandra. Uh, pawn count relationship. No, you you have a static number. It's just one. one. You have one worker. That's it. But with that said, I mean, doesn't that fit everything that we have quantified that a worker placement game must have? Completely. Yeah. So I I, I think Kanban is a is a a clear action drafting game. Yes, it is. All right. That's Kanban. Let's talk about uh, Carson City for a minute. Uh, and by let's, you mean you. Well, uh, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But I, I, it's one I, it's one I think you're going to dig. Okay, all right. Um, in Carson City, you have a number of pawns that are cowboys. And each turn, you're going to get a fixed number of cowboys. Three, four, five. It, it, it grows. It's the same for everyone? Yes, it's okay. the same for everyone. However, if you don't place all of your pawns in one turn you can retain them for placement in the second turn. So you can get asymmetrical placement opportunities in the game. There is blockage. However, <laughs> just because you went there doesn't mean I can't go there. But when it comes to resolving that action, there's going to be a duel. Draw! A draw! So, we're, uh, <laughs> yes. So the number of cowboys I've retained from placement, plus any revolver tokens that I've acquired during the game uh-huh. are going to be modifiers to my die roll. Okay, so it, there's that randomness that we like mitigating, yes, right? That's yes. good. Th- okay. There is a diceless variant too, but whatever. And so, hey, whichever one of us wins the duel, you can have that action, sir. Okay. So... And my pawn comes back to me for next turn. Okay. So that's, so that's kind of cool. You're kind of making it more expensive because you're costing me... You know, uh, uh, revolver tokens, and you might be actually costing me the action, therefore blocking me. Well, not only that, but from the sounds of it, you, I might force you to keep workers back and take less actions yes. because of the fact that you need. Maybe you don't have enough revolver tokens or whatever yes. you feel, so you don't place one extra worker so that you have him left behind because he adds to pips on the dice, essentially, right? You have unguaranteed worker displacement. Okay, and. One of the really cool things about the game, and I can't, I can't wait for you to play it, is you can place your pawns and draft these actions on the on the action track. But I can also place my pawns out onto the field, onto the board where we're building the town of Carson City, the different buildings and plots of land, because I can I can go ahead and like raid your building and stop you from getting um, income from it because it's a bit of an economic game in in that huh. sense. Okay. And you, of course, you can put your cowboys in there to defend said building against my uh, robbers and stuff like that. It's it's kind of cool. It's, it's almost it's sounds a fun like game. it has a touch of Pax Porfiriana <laughs> it's, it's, there it's, with the protection with your soldiers. It and can stuff. get a little savage at times, actually. So cool. I, I think Carson City's one you're going to like. All right. So. Dice's pawns. We've touched on it with uh, Madeira. Let's mm-hmm. touch on it with Bora Bora. The face value of the die restricts the placement of the subsequent dice, right? So yes. in, in Bora Bora, if I place a three pip die onto one of the available actions, yes. subsequent players can also take that action, but they must place lower than a three pip die or use one of the rule breakers. The god, the god card. Right, the god yeah. cards. So... Are we competitively and sequentially drafting? Yes. Are we blocking? Yes. Or at least limiting. Right. Making it more expensive, perhaps, because... Because you have to waste those god cards. Well, or 
I need to. I, now you place that three. I got to place a two here if I want that action. But darn it, I really wanted to place the two there because I wanted tile number two over here. And so now you're blocked out, or Changing at least plans. made more different, difficult. Exactly. The pawn count is staying the same. You're yeah. you're not going to get a different amount of dice uh, throughout the game. Everyone's yeah. going to have the same amount. But arguably, I, I would say it's it's one of the two best felds. I think, or in the in the conversation, is one of the best felds. For me, um, good complexity, plenty of, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so, yeah, I, I definitely feel like Bora Bora fits here. Uh, I'd like to throw Craftsman into the mix. Just And we covered Craftsman as in one of our shows, and we love Craftsman. But it's got a unique uh, worker placement, action drafting aspect. It, do, it. It, it totally does. There's nothing else out there that does... Worker placement like this one. I, I, yeah, that, not that I've played anyway. And there is competitive and sequential drafting of the action spaces allowed in those guilds, right? And there is blockage and cost increasing because, hey, there's only a certain number of spaces. Uh, well, let me say it this way. There's a certain number of pawns that can be placed in a guild. And there's a certain number of spaces to place them in. And once those spaces... There's three spaces, let's say, but five pawns can go there. So once the first three are there, the fourth and the fifth pawn would be stacked on top of the previous placed pawns. And so when you stack on top, you often have to pay that the lower pawn. Of whoever it. was there first. Right. And so you, you, whoever was there first made it more expensive for the subsequent player. So you either have to give them a money card. God, I hope I have a low one to give you. Right. Or I'm going to have to give up one, two, or three victory points depending on the turn. Right. And so it's either a two, four, six-point swing because you're losing and I'm gaining. The really, really sweet thing about that is, let's say that player one, a five-player game or whatever, um, player one, player two, player three all put a pawn there and filled up that bottom row. And then I went and I put a pawn on the, I stacked a pawn on that first spot. Sure, I had to pay, but now I also changed the execution order on that on that guild. So now I'm gonna instead of being I was the fourth placement, but I'll be the second actor. It's really cool. Yeah, really, really cool implementation and a damn fun game and tough and hard. Yeah, I yeah. was just gonna say, Craftsman's a rocker. So my next, the last one that I have here okay. is. A quirky, unique worker placement route building kind of mix. And that's you mean crappy? Stop. And that's bus. I think I did a really bad job of teaching you when Uh, I did. Well, I'll play Um, it again. Yeah. Uh, So it's quirky. I mean, it's splatter. Ergo, it's quirky. Um, But players are building bus routes to assist people uh, in the game to get from home to work and then after work to the bars. But, and here's the quirkiness. You have to make sure not to tear the time-space continuum. So the, the, the worker placement aspect or the action drafting is everyone has 20 cubes or action pawns. And the way those are resolved is going to be left to right. But the, the resolution of some of the action tracks are flipped. Some mm-hmm. of them go A to F. Some of them go F to A. And so the way they... It, it's possible in which you may place... a a one of your cubes, one of your finite amount of cubes, because they are one time use. Uh-huh. When you place it, so you're not guaranteed wow. that you're actually going to be able to yeah. actually execute the action. And so there's that blo- or there's that increased cost because you don't know if you're actually going to 
be able to take the action in the game. Worker placement meets route building and logistics. And yeah, I, that's kind of cool to me. And that's bus. All right, my last one is another Rosenberg, and that would be La Havre. One of your favorite top three game for you, Yes, right? yes, definitely one of my faves. And um, another one that has one worker. But yeah, with La Havre, you are building buildings similar to Aura Labora that your worker can inhabit. I can use your buildings, you can use my buildings. Sometimes, but not always, does that usage require a cost even if it's my building, and uh, and there is blockage. If I'm in this building, you can't be in it, and vice versa. Of course, if you're in my building, I can actually displace you by selling my building, but that kind of sucks. Right, that's a last resort. <laughs> right. But the cool thing is, is if I go into a building, that spot's blocked. Not just for this turn. That spot's blocked until I choose the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and can so there's carryover package. Exactly, right? <laughs> like you said, the action drafting is a part of the game because the other part of the game is after you move your boat, do I want to like use my, my pawn in a building or do I want to acquire some resources that are available on offer? And those are, those are really tough decisions. And, of course, you need those resources to build the buildings. You might need those resources to use in the buildings with your pawn. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's way, way cool. Yeah, tons of replayability with the with, with the variability in which the order in which the cards come out and all that. Just it's a fantastic game and it's it's a really simple mechanically game. Yeah. I mean it's totally simple. There's only two things to do, and only one of those things is action drafting. Right. Yeah, the but, other one's resource drafting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because you're cleaning conver- it out. Resource conversion. So I think this is another good meshing of mechanics, but that you definitely can make a claim for it being an action drafting game. Lahav. So there are more, but we're running out of time. So I'm going to sum it One up. One more. Finish this up. And this will be a hint. Yeah. So Ground Floor. It's a fairly dry business building simulation, yeah. business building game. I hate that word simulation. Yeah, I, I, I know. That's why. Abstraction. I, right. So in ground floor, it's, there's a worker placement aspect. Uh, you're, the goal of the game is you're you're building it physically. You're building a building on your own tableau. Oh yeah, dude, the tableau. Because well, when we were defining our opinion of what action drafting game exists of, we talked about the possibility of getting exclusive action spaces. And when you're building that tableau, not only are you trying to do that for victory points and stuff like that, but it's an exclusive place for me to place my pawns, which represent time in this game. Right. And speaking of which, as you get more, if you want more action, more workers. More time. You need to get more time. To get more time, you must hire more workers. And then there's that competitive nature out there on the uh, center board, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's, there's not so much blockage or cost increasing, but there's limited spaces in some areas that... You know, some are increased costs, some force resolution in a sequence that's, you're going to be, if you've been there, you have an advantage. So it's not a a cost per se, but there is an advantage yeah. for being there earlier. I placed mine first, you placed your second. So I'm going to get, you're going to have to resolve yours first. I'll have the advantage of reacting to that. You get last looks, right. exactly. So we don't want to go too much. No. Why? 
uh, I think we're going to review this soon. Yeah, this is going to be episode 23, actually. Yeah. So if you're interested in Ground Floor, check that out. And even if you're not, still check it out. But so yeah, that, that's, so, that's it, man. I mean, there there are a ton more games. Yeah. There's Manhattan Project. There's... I, 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 you know, I got some controversial ones. You know, Manila, Alia, Iacta Est. Um, there, there's lots of games I mean, we didn't even talk about. Yeah, there. Uh, but in the end, I think that's that's a good kind of broad view of different ways in which action drafting can be implemented for a game, and yeah. it to be considered an action drafting or worker placement game. And we shared with you guys uh, what we feel the definition of action drafting is. So, so hopefully you guys uh, will let us know what do, what do you feel action drafting is or worker placement or tell us tell us what your opinions are. Please. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're curious what your guys' take is. I mean, there was a huge discussion in our guild, but it kind of got tempered because they're like, wait, we want to wait for the episode to come out, right. get our take, and then Perfect. go from there. So, Fire away. Yeah, um, we're all ears. We we definitely we hope this sparks some some interesting uh, discussion debate. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it. This was fun. I enjoyed this. This is this is pretty cool to do, and it's a nice change of pace. Indeed, it was, sir. <laughs> Ask the elephant. So JS asks, how excited are you? The new splatter food chain magnet. Hella excited, obviously, even though we know very little about it. I know other, nothing. Um, other than the picks that I put in the, uh, that Yorin uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Yoris uh, posted, doesn't matter. I'm still stoked for it, and I'm, it's going to be a blind buy for me. All right, Brian P., help me with this ongoing debate at my house. Is Twa a worker placement game? You place workers in various buildings. You get to roll dice for each of them. You place workers on cards, and you get to activate them. But the spots aren't really blocked, since other players can go into the buildings or onto the cards. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Arg, I can't decide. I don't feel like Twa is an action drafting game, according to the definition that we laid out in this episode for us. It feels more like a real estate transaction to me. I'm, I'm going to put my, quote-unquote, worker, my pawn there. And I could actually get some victory points for doing so, which other subsequent placements may not get. I feel like I'm staking my claim uh, that that is giving me um, permission to use the action later when I feel like it. I'd have to agree with you, Tony. I I don't really feel like it's a worker placement game. Um, Just because you have a meeple and just because you place him somewhere and he does something physically on the board... That doesn't equate to worker placement or action drafting. I really don't. You know what, man? Brian is making me think of something. Maybe we missed something in our definition. And one of the definitions uh, is at the end of the turn, your workers are swept away. Well, see, I would disagree because uh, in Manhattan Project... You have to actually take an action to retrieve them. Yeah. And and, I, well, and in Zolkin, they come off the wheel. Right. So, yeah. no, I would say no but to the, that. But in in uh, Twa, until you choose to remove them because you're out of them or want to use something, they can be permanently resident. So Right. Yeah. And, and, no, I, okay. I, don't, I, I don't think that's a Good. problem with it, but I, I just don't feel like Twa fits. Yeah, but still, man, awesome question. It made, yeah. us, made us think here. Yeah. All right, so Chris asks... Why is this Paul Chad guy called Paul Chad? What kind of double name is that? I don't think he has a last name. Oh, wait. No, no, no. He's from Chad, isn't he? <laughs> that was awesome stuff in the guild. Um, well, Chris, it started off because uh, our friend Chad is um, 
it's it's Chad Cook, and he's a bit of an introvert. And at first, he was like not really sure he wanted us to really mention his mention name him or have him in any pictures or anything like that. And so, so uh, I think the way it went was something like this: like you said Chad at the oh, same oh, time, yeah, yeah. I said let's call him Paul, and it just became Paul, Paul Chad. Chad. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's been a running joke now for what ten months or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the one one joke about that though, and or one funny thing about that is Chad told us that we've been friends with him for a year and we have a nickname that his friends that he's had for 20 years are now using. <laughs> yes, that was so and cool. I think that's I think that's awesome. Seriously, Chad's one of the best people uh, I yeah. know. He's yeah, absolute yeah. salt of the earth just I'm fortunate enough to call him one of my best friends, and I, I yeah, he's, yeah, he's good people. You know, he uh, is a like-minded gamer to the two of us in terms of the types of games he likes and the weight class of games that he prefers. And I really dig after a, a good, well-fought game that the conversation about the play afterwards with Chad. Well, he was part of that Rolling Stock discussion yeah, that took like an hour after the fact, uh, in a good way. I mean, though, but so, Paul Chad, man, we love you. Yeah. So John R. asks, Traditionally, I dislike worker placement as I find it promotes multiplayer solitaire, inadvertent blocking, and in general, passive-aggressive play. They're kind of the golf of board games. Let's play side-by-side, but no touching. No touching. How do you feel about these proposed issues? Well, funny you you asked that because Brian O. also asks... Our friend Brian. Right. uh, What are some other ways that worker placement can be implemented in a game to break out the multiplayer solitaire aspect of... Many worker placement games. Well, to that, we have this. Oh, man. Another game of multiplayer solitaire? I really feel like I'm playing by myself again. Are you suffering from MPS? Well... You don't have to face it alone anymore. Ask your doctor about the new Wonder Drug Multisil, and you'll soon be talking with those around your game table. Side effects include eye contact, laughter, mutually appreciated gameplay, variation in scoring, and memories for a lifetime. Wow! This game will never feel like Misery Farm ever, ever again! Can we play another Rosenberg game? So yeah. hopefully, hopefully you guys know we're just giving you all, uh, you well, know, a hard time about it. Yeah, we're we're purposely being extreme just to say, yeah, it doesn't bother us, right? So we'll take these step or one by one. Multiplayer solitaire. Personally, I feel like there's interaction in worker placement games. Agreed. Just by their nature, the second my move pisses you off. We've interacted. (laughs) Right? Or vice versa. I mean, seriously, what am I missing that these are termed or... I mean, maybe they don't have the interaction like a game like Panamax might have. Right. But... Or Pandemic. Right. I just said that because I hate cooperative games. Oh, okay. (laughs) You saw the... You felt the look, did you? I felt it, yes. Um, I mean, I don't mind multiplayer solitaire games, but that said, I just don't see how worker placement qualifies as multiplayer solitaire i'm not saying it's not i'm just saying i don't see it i, I don't see it either and even if it was um, it doesn't bother, doesn't bother me well i so the next point is inadvertent blocking i assure you in a game with action drafting that whenever possible my blocking is intentional not inadvertent 
I like to think of it as strategic interference. <laughs> nice. And like you said, it is rarely inadvertent. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, I'm going there because I want something. Right. Now, if I have no higher or better use for a pawn, I'm looking for an opportunity to hose you. Right. So that kind of rolls into the last thing, which was passive-aggressive play. So, like that, it could be useful and strategic, passive-aggressive, or just aggressive. Right. (laughs) Now, there is a line, I think, between that and either king-making or just being a douche canoe. Correct. Don't be that guy no. or gal. No. Passive-aggressive is the douche canoe. Right. I'm playing aggressively and competitively. Andrew M. has asked us, what would be your guys' preferred first game to get a non-gamer into the hobby in the first place, you know, before you introduce the heavy stuff? <laughs> so I think we we both have a, a pretty good list. It's more than just one game. So go for it. We'll, we'll okay. do this rapid fire. I, I listed just four things more for what they teach the player than what they really are. So Stone Age, we talked about that a little bit ago. I think Stone Age because it teaches action drafting and upkeep. Okay. I think uh, San Juan because it teaches multi-use for cards. And I have the same. Finca or something like that because of the set collection promotion. And Finca specifically does contract fulfillment too. So like I need to work out how to get these eight things so I can trade them in for that Victory point contract. And I thought Ticket to Ride. I mean, it's route building and kind of set collection. Similar notion. So, Uh, Downfall of Pompeii. Because number one, it's just it's just fun throwing guys in the volcano. But especially it, it's, with it's two a negative in the, in the volcano, two lights, it's a negative confrontation game. When I draw that lava tile, I'm looking to kill your guys. So you can tell if a person's going to get butthurt about that kind of stuff. And last but not least. Bandu. I mean, yeah. anybody can play. It's it's fun, and like we said, it's just everybody likes dexterity games. So next up, we have Bryant H. What are your thoughts on Orléans? Uh-huh. I missed the Kickstarter, but plan on getting the game when Tasty Minstrel releases it this fall. I think the bag building works well with the worker placement mechanism. I agree. Um, I dig it. I've only played it once. I know Tony and Robin and Matt and all them have, have played it far Sorry. more than I have. Um, I dig the bag building mechanic and the element mm-hmm. trashing. It's yes. it's a cool riff on deck building. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like it. My wife loves it. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that it has very minimal, if any, worker placement aspects. Yeah. Since the actions you're taking are on your own player board and everyone has their own board a la Eclipse. Right. My, my actions right. I'm taking are mine. They're, you're not, taking, they're yeah. not competitive action. Track, exactly. Right? right. Michael M., when will you review Kalis? Hopefully this year. You include war games as a segment of interest for your podcast and your tagline, yet we have not enjoyed a single war game review, which has actually been some, some interesting guild conversation too. What has kept you from doing so is something in the making, and in that vein, what are your favorite war games, multiplayer war games, he says. Well, first off, I, I did have a trailer once for Hammer of the Scots. Just yes. throwing that out there, yes. but yeah, you guys are right. Um... It all comes down to time and our availability, to be honest. It's harder to get war games, especially multiplayer war games, to the table. Plus, to be honest with you, we have to have enough plays to be able to not sound ignorant about the game. And that's my biggest hesitation. The same exact same thing could be said for 18xx games. There are people that know these games far better than Tony or I would. And my biggest fear is to just sound like an absolute idiot. And you can never be an idiot saying what you feel. True, but I want to have a, a strong enough base and enough experience with a certain game to be able to review it. And war games are just harder to get to the table. 
They take longer usually. And we're getting there. We just yeah. we're working on the time management aspect. My my personal input on what you said was, I, I would rather do some eighteen XX before um, a wargaming thing because as a miniature wargamer, I'm kind of OD'd on war games, and that affects and tempers my um, excitement excitement to get some of the things on the table. That said, there are some things that are definitely thrilling me and want to get on the table. Uh, unconditional Surrender because of the low density of Absolutely. counters. Both that and Supreme Commander. Blocks in the insert geographical area here. <laughs> blocks in East, blocks in the West, right. blocks in Africa, right? Uh, that, that would be awesome, especially like you're saying with some of the smaller scenarios. We can really get something hammered out on the table. Just be patient. We will get to them, we promise, guys. David A. Um, has a plethora jefe, of questions. Take a drink. What do you consider the easiest and hardest worker placement games that you have ever played? For me, the easiest, Lords of Waterdeep. The hardest, Madeira. How about you? For me, Stone Age. Hardest, Agricola. Okay, interesting. I think that the mechanic itself isn't hard. It's just the environment that it can set up with the decisions and the tension that we talked about. That's what gets it hard. David A. also asks three other questions. First off, assuming they aren't the same, what's the hardest to learn? And this is where Agricola comes in for me. Probably due to the... I learned it super, super early on when I got into the hobby. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what? (laughs) What did I just do? Yeah. But it didn't scare me. Just it it kicked my ass on trying to learn it. So how about you? Craftsman. Just because, wow. (laughs) It's a hard game. It's the way the actions are structured to be taken out of sequence and planning ahead. Purposely, right. uh, Yeah, it's a hard game. Okay, that's I, I like that. That's a good, good call. Uh, what was the single coolest mechanism you've ever used in a worker placement? So I guess the the I took this as the most unique or coolest implementation. So for me, it it's a toss up between the gears and Zulkin, right? Right. Um, or the workers as currency and workers in Keyflower. I I think both of those are just mind blowingly cool. Um, I agree with you on the Zulkin gears. That's that's amazing. And I like what I mentioned in Craftsman, how even though I was the fourth placement, I'm the second actor. How even though I paid, I got to go a little sooner. It's it's an interesting little twist. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Actually, had I thought about that, I may have put that in there. <laughs> no, you had great choices. Last but not least, what percentage of a game's mechanisms has to be worker placement or action drafting? For it to be considered worker placement, and do you consider there to be exceptions to the rule? You first, sir. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, maybe the word percentage um, throws me off a bit or whatever, but I think is the critical path of the game action drafting? Like in Aura Labora, you're, you're not getting anything done without using your clergyman, even though that's only part of the actions, one-third of the actions you can do. So I think that's a action drafting game. So I don't know about percentage. I think it's more like what's the critical parts. See, for me, kind of in the same vein, I guess. I don't think there's a hard, fast percentage of the game that must be worker placement right. or action drafting. But I do feel that it must be one of the main mechanics in the game. Kind of like how Dominant Species is worker placement slash area control. With that said, I I don't think there are any exceptions that need to be made. It's just, is it a main mechanic? Yes. Okay, it's worker placement in the end. 
that's pretty much a wrap. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the questions, guys. Yeah, definitely enjoyed it. We, we, we I'm so excited to see the guild conversations. I'm, I'm curious to see the feedback. No doubt. It's either going to be you guys, you know, I, I joked on Twitter saying that I'm curious to see what rotten fruit gets hey. thrown at us or what praise. So we'll see. Either way, it's perfectly wonderful. Yeah, hey, hey, uh, what is it? Bad, bad publicity? There is no such <laughs> there's thing, no as, such bad thing bad as bad publicity. publicity. Yeah. But I mean, um, hey, you know, no, no, there's never going to be 100% agreement on anything on this earth. For well, us, I think it's like... heavy cardboard kicks ass. Heavy cardboard kicks ass. That's right. But I mean, for us, it's like, let's put our opinion out there and let's have some conversation and shake hands and... Hey, let's play a game. Exactly. I uh, we're not the end all be all voice, but yeah, I, I, we put some work into it, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, y'all are digging it. So, hit us up on Twitter at Heavy Cardboard, Facebook Heavy Cardboard, email us heavycardboard at gmail The website heavycardboard.com. and last but not least, review us on iTunes, please. Woo-hoo. We'll make sure to shout, give you guys a shout out. And please visit www.gamesurplus.com. Velma and Amos are awesome guys with a great inventory. Check them out. Technically awesome gal and guy. Uh, Make sure you tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. And we'll catch you guys in three weeks with episode 23. And if nothing changes, ground floor. Catch you all then. Bye. This is Tony with Heavy Cardboard, and I'm interviewing people about aspects of the board gaming hobby. Hey Matt, what do you think about analysis paralysis? Uh, uh well... Yes? Uh, let me think. Um... Uh, I need... Uh, it's a little more time. Um, yeah, I, I, well, yeah. To answer that question, well, if I answer it this way, then I have to think about the fact that I can't answer it this other way. And if I can't answer it in either of those ways, then well, I could answer it a third, or fourth, or fifth way. So, yeah. you know, maybe I'll get back to you.